listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you pro-life activism from creation to death with Jim Sedlak. Hello and welcome to pro-life activism from creation to death. This program is intended for all those who want to create a culture of life in the United States. Each week, we bring you the latest news in the pro-life movement and uh, try to keep you up to date with happenings in Congress, with happenings with our Catholic bishops around the nation and everything else that uh, is going on each week. Uh, but before we get into today's program, because we do have a lot of things to cover there, we want to say a Hail Mary and ask you to say a Hail Mary with me to ask the Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on all those who are involved with or listening to this program so that we will receive the message that she wants each of us to get at this moment. And so if you would join me, please. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that prayer with me. It is always a good idea, whenever you begin a new activity during the day, to ask Mary to shower God's graces on what you are doing. And that's why we begin every one of our programs uh, with the Hail Mary. Okay, there, there's been a lot happening this week. Uh, in the pro-life movement, uh, but also a lot happening today and this morning. And uh, I'm shuffling papers a bit here today because uh, there is breaking news out of Washington, D.C., and I want to make sure I get that to you. Um, the A bill called the Build Back Better bill passed the House of Representatives this morning. It is not good news for, for pro-lifers in the United States. Um, and we're going to give you some examples. We, you know, we're obviously not going to read through an entire bill or cover everything that is in it, but we want to give you some examples. And we're going to be throwing some numbers at you. Don't worry about the numbers. Just know that we're talking about a lot of money. This is a bill that is estimated to, to top out at $1.75 trillion, all right? In this economy we have here uh, in the United States now, with all the things that we go have going on, with all of the worries about employment and people who are being forced out of employment because of, of the COVID mandates and all the rest of that going on, Congress has decided to pass a bill that is going to cost the American public $1.75 trillion dollars that is one trillion seven hundred and fifty billion dollars, right? In taxpayer money is going to be spent. Now this bill passed the House of Representatives this morning. It still has to go to the Senate, so um, it's it's not in force yet, but it's it's taken its first major step. The bill in the in the House of Representatives, the vote was uh, pretty much party line. Uh, the every Republican who voted, there was one Republican who didn't vote, but every Republican who voted, voted against the bill. Almost every Democrat who voted, voted for the bill. There was one Democrat who voted against the bill. The final numbers, 220 yeas, all of them 
Democrats and 213 no's. And one of those 213 was a Democrat. So 220 to 213, the House of Representatives passed the bill, a huge bill called uh, the Building Back Better bill. This is not the infrastructure bill, which dealt with with uh, you know roads and, and uh, aircraft and uh, trains and all of that infrastructure. This is not that. This is all in addition to that bill, which passed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this bill, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about what this bill contains. It is really devastating um, to the pro-life movement. Uh, it has the potential of really opening up uh, a government-supported, government-endorsed abortion throughout the entire country, okay? Uh, regardless of what the states want in, in many cases, right? So even if the states today consider themselves pro-life states and, uh, and you know, have laws in place that restrict money from going to abortion, uh, and there are some states that do that, this bill would supersede that and provide the money from the federal government for these kinds of things. And we're going to talk about these kinds of things. But uh, one of the points I want to make clear, and, and uh, all the people in Washington, D.C., all the pro-life groups are, are making this point particularly clear. Uh, and we mentioned it last week on, on our show when we talked about the infrastructure bill. Uh, it, it's, it's absolutely critical to remember that whenever abortion is not explicitly excluded from funding, then it is included, okay? Now, what you will find, and, and I've, I've already heard this uh, over the last couple of days from those who support the bill, they will say, well, abortion is not in the bill, okay? Uh, there's nothing about abortion in the bill, and technically that is correct, all right. It doesn't say we're going to give money for abortion. It doesn't say that money is going to be spent on abortion, but it doesn't have to because it doesn't say you can't spend the money on abortion. And if it doesn't say you can't spend the money, then you can spend the money on abortion. OK, uh, it's a trick. It, it's it's a way of of building abortion into all kinds of bills uh, that that uh, things like the Hyde Amendment that prevents government funding of most abortions uh, where, you know, just don't apply because they have not been attached to this bill. And so just understand the bill doesn't have to mention abortion to include abortion. Right? It's it's crazy, but but that's that's the way, you know, they've, they've set things up. So you're talking about a bill here that that uh, is is uh, you know 1.75 trillion dollar bill funding all kinds of programs, and we're going to talk a little bit about the kinds of programs that it does fund. Right? So you can you can really get uh, a sense of where this bill uh, is going to to affect things. So let me let me give you some examples. And and again, I know you're listening on the radio. Many of you are listening in a car. Others are listening at home. I don't expect anybody to, to write down specific numbers. You can if you want. I mean, I'm going to give you accurate numbers, but I just want you to get a sense of, of how bad this bill is, okay? Uh, so let me, let me talk about, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a couple of big things in the bill. There is $7 billion, $7 billion 
for public health activities at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, okay, which includes funding for what they call health equity. All right. Now, they're very good, by the way, in, in, in government programs like this and in government, they're very good with coming up with, with words that, and, and your reaction is, what is that? OK. And so, you know, they're, they're going to fund health equity. So what is health equity? You know, and there's a long definition. I'm not going to go through it here. OK. But I will tell you that for some time now, the, the people who are pushing the abortion agenda argue that abortion is essential to obtaining health equity. Health equity, you know, in a short form means everybody is, gets what they need. Everybody gets the health care that they need. That's health equity in a, in a very short form. All right. Uh, and, and people are saying, well, if they can't get an abortion, then they're not getting health equity. OK. Um, and, and so this this argument that abortion is part of health equity um, is is very important because as a result of this bill, there's seven billion dollars that are earmarked for health equity funding at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And there are have already been arguments that abortion is part of that. OK. Second of all, I mean, another big program. The bill contains $3.37 billion for health center graduate medical education. Okay. $3.37 billion for education. Now, what that means is since the, the bill does not exclude funding for abortion, this money can be used, and, and probably not all of the money, but a good portion of the money can be used to teach people how to do abortions, right? Uh, medical professionals, non-medical professionals, uh, it's just health center graduate medical education. It's education, and since they consider uh, abortion a medical procedure, it would not be a violation of this bill or of the law that, that will exist if the bill is completely passed uh, to fund abortion education. And we're talking about education on how to do abortions, okay? So that so you know there there is a shortage of abortionists in this country, uh, so much so that there are states uh, passing laws saying you don't have to be a physician to do an abortion. You know you can be other medical professionals to do abortions. This, these are bills that are popping up in states all around the country because of the difficulty they have in getting um, doctors to do abortions. Well, this $3.37 billion is going to pay to train people on how to do abortions, okay? Uh, not not a, a, a very good thing uh, to do. Uh, and again, for those of you just tuning in, uh, we're talking about a bill uh, called the Building Back Better Bill. If you want the number, it's H.R. 5376. So we're talking about the Build Back Better Bill. The number is HR5376, which passed the House of Representatives this morning on a vote of 220 to 213. It is not yet law because it now goes to the Senate and it would have to pass the Senate and then be signed by the president. Now, getting signed by the president 
Uh, nobody's worried about that if they pass it because he's going to sign it. He's already said he's going to sign it. OK, so it's it's a matter now of, of it going to the Senate. But we've just talked about the fact that it provides seven billion dollars right, for public health activities for the Center for Disease Control. Right. Which includes funding for health equity, which includes in some people's definition abortion. It provides three point three seven billion uh, for medical education, which includes training people on how to do abortions. All right. There, there is another $100 million in the bill right, for uh, what's called the Healthy People 2030 Act, which has several categories on family planning that could include abortion, right? If you're going to do family planning and you're providing money to family planning, uh, then and there's no restrictions, then you can use the money for abortions. And, of course, the biggest family planning group in the, in the nation is Planned Parenthood. And you can bet that they're going to be eager to get this money. And you can bet that they're, since they operate the largest abortion chain in the nation, that they're going to use this uh, to, to pay for their abortion operations. So these are, these are some of the things in the bill. Uh, there is uh, $50 million in the bill for perinatal quality collaboratives. Now, perinatal means the, 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 the baby is still in the womb, okay, has not yet been born, okay? Uh, and and the, it is a, a multi-state networks and teams working to improve the quality of care for mothers and babies. Now, that all sounds good, right? Oh, sure, we, we'd give $50 million to do that. But we should know that the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists has defined perinatal care to include abortion. All right. So once again, it's not mentioned. Uh, you, you wouldn't pick it up if you read it. You'd say, oh, OK, you know, perinatal care. That's that sounds like a good thing to spend money on. Uh, but those involved define abortion to be part of perinatal care. OK, uh, there's another 50 million dollars. All right, specifically aimed at the doula workforce. These are these are not physicians or not nurses, but doulas are specifically trained in some specialty. And there's all kinds of different doulas, but there are abortion doulas. There are those people who are specifically trained to do abortion. Uh, they they are referred to as abortion doulas. And because there is no restriction in this bill on how the money um, is, is spent, the, this $50 million could be spent in expanding the number of abortion doulas in the United States. Again, filling in the gap where uh, less and less physicians want to kill babies, right? but abortion doulas have no problem killing babies. Um, you know, this, we're funding it. We, you know, this, could, this money could be used from this bill. All right, to expand the number of abortion doulas. Okay, um, another hundred million dollars, and 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 we're hitting the surface here, folks. We're we're not trying to give you everyone, but I, I just want to give you a sense of what is in these bills and how it could affect the abortion business, the killing of children business here in the United States, and doing it all with our tax money. This bill is is not being funded by Bill Gates, uh, although he probably wouldn't have a trouble funding it, but um, or, or Warren Buffett or Ted Turner. This bill is being funded by you and me. This bill is using tax 
taxpayer money. A $1.75 trillion bill using taxpayer money with all of these kinds of things that we're talking about that, that could bring abortion and, and increase abortion in the United States. Um, there, there is a $100 million in the bill that is slated for maternal mental health grant programs, all right? Maternal, so that means mothers, all right? So mothers with mental health problems, okay, could get, you know, there, there's $100 million earmarked for programs for women with mothers with, with mental health problems. And the abortion proponents here in the United States um, have claimed in the past, and we expect that they will claim in the future, that a woman with an unwanted pregnancy experiencing mental distress needs to receive an abortion, right? And so that providing the money in a program so she can get her abortion would fall under the money in this act, right? Another way of increasing the killing of children here, okay? Um, it, is, it is just absolutely horrendous. And, and, and we've only hit the surface here for you, okay? Uh, but I, I think we, we've, we've given you enough to, for, for you to understand how devastating this bill can be for those of us who value every human being's life from creation to death, Right? That's the title of our program. Uh, those of you who, who listening and who value this life, this is a bill. Now, they're not going that can fund education to teach people how to kill babies in the womb. It can fund expanding the, the number of abortionists across the country uh, to meet what, what is perceived to be an increasing demand for abortion, right? Now, the other thing about this bill, it is a federal bill. It is federal programs, right? It can be used in states where the states themselves do not fund abortions, consider themselves to be pro-life, will not spend any state money, but the bill would allow people within that state or organizations really uh, within that state to apply for the money directly from the federal government, not having to go through the state government, and therefore could get the money directly from the state government and do and use it to expand abortions in states where the state has specifically taken action not to fund abortion. You know, so if you're in Texas, uh, which in addition to the, the, the heartbeat bill and, and the, the unique way it's being enforced, uh, the people in Texas and the people in many other states will not fund abortion, will not fund abortionists right, with state money. Right? But this bill will allow people in all 50 states and the District of Columbia uh, to apply directly to the federal government for funding. And if they receive the funding, they will be doing uh, – abortion activities in the state funded by the taxpayer, but because it's federal money and it's given directly to the people um, or the organizations. Uh, for example, in, in, in many places today, Planned Parenthood um, gets Title X money directly from the, the, uh, t the, title, the federal Title X program, does not go through any state agency to get the money. 
Okay, that that happens. There's there's only a few places where it happens, but it happens. And the same thing could happen with this money. You could have um, pro-abortion people, people who do abortions or who educate abortionists, who, who train abortionists, get the money directly from the federal government, even in states that consider themselves pro-life states. So this will bypass everything. And all of this, and let me repeat for those who uh, have just toned in, uh, we're talking about the Build Back Better bill, H.R. 5376. And all the bill, although the bill does not mention abortion, at the federal level, when you have a bill like this, if there is nothing in the bill that prevents it, from being used for abortion, then it can be used for abortion. So they don't have to mention it in the bill. They mention all these other things, health equities and uh, et cetera. But, but uh, you know, it's, 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 if you don't uh, understand that fact, then you read the bills and, well, there's nothing about abortion in here. Well, yes, there is. Um, and, and it's in there and it's something that, that we have to concern ourselves with. So let me wrap it all up now the, uh, on this bill. The, the bill, uh, which is called the, the Build Back Better bill, is providing $1.75 trillion. The bill passed the House of Representatives just this morning on a vote of 220 to 213. Every Republican voted against it and one Democrat voted against it. Uh, but the, uh, the, uh, the Democrats had enough of a majority in the House of Representatives to pass it. The bill will now go to the United States Senate. Um, and as you may remember, the United States Senate is actually split 50-50. There are 50 Republicans and 50 who vote Democratic. OK, um, and so uh, if you if we can get one or two Democrats to not support the bill and all of the Republicans don't support the bill, the bill can be stopped in the Senate. And so the task now is to um, ask everybody to contact their United States senators. Every state has two. Right. Contact your United States senators, your two United States senators, and tell them you want them to vote against the Build Back Better bill. And if they want the number, it's H.R. 5376. That's the number of the bill. You call them, you contact their offices, their local offices, as well as their offices in Washington, D.C., and you say, vote no. Vote no on the Build Back Better bill. That's where we are right now. And if we can stop it in the Senate, then, then it's gone, okay? Uh, if it passes the Senate, it becomes law, and all this money is going to go, all of our money, this taxpayer money, is going to go to promote abortion throughout the United States. Okay, we're going to wrap that subject up. If you're just tuning in, my name is Jim Sedlak, and you're listening to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death on RadioMaria.us, a Christian voice in your home. We've been talking so far this today about the, uh, the Build Back Better bill that passed the House of Representatives this morning, uh, but still needs to, to go to the Senate and uh, to be voted on in the Senate. And we want to take action to see that the bill does not make it through the Senate. Okay. Um, next major topic, and this was actually going to be the top item on my show this morning uh, until they passed that bill this morning. So, so it got bumped to the second top. Um, 
This week, the United States bishops um, had a uh, conference, a meeting in, in, in Baltimore, Maryland. They do this every year in November. Uh, they also have a, a, uh, another meeting in the, in the middle of the year, but this is their annual meeting. Um, and they, they tackle a number of subjects. Uh, and at their meeting last um, June, uh, they said that at the November meeting that they would address the topic of pro-abortion politicians continuing to receive communion in Catholic churches. Uh, this is something that has been a problem for decades where, you know, and, and, and it's not you know, triggered by any one politician, but there are a lot of, 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 of pro-abortion uh, politicians, including Joe Biden, our president, including Nancy Pelosi, uh, the the uh, Speaker of the House, including lots of other senators, lots of other uh, representatives, and lots of other people in state governments um, around the state and in city governments. Right. So, so we're talking about politicians, and we're talking about politicians who publicly identify themselves as Catholic, but vote in favor of abortion, vote to expand abortion, to fund abortion. This is this is what they're. They're, they're voting for and insist that they can receive communion. And the, the, there is, you know, the, the Ch Catholic Church is uh, run according to a series of laws. It's called the, the canon laws of the Catholic Church. And there are, you know, a thousand or over a thousand of them. Uh, but two of them apply to this to this topic. Uh, canon 916 says that anyone... Um, who has been excommunicated or who has been told by their bishop, uh, a frame called interdicted, um, cannot present themselves for communion. But it also says that those who are guilty in manifest grave sin right, are not to receive communion and are not to present themselves for communion. And manifest grave sin is, is defined as um, publicly supporting or are engaging in right uh, sins that are you know defined as grave sins. You know, in, in in Catholic language, you would probably use the term mortal sin. Okay, we have venial sins, we have mortal sins, but in in the Catholic Church, there are actually eight things that you can do that get you automatically excommunicated. The sin is so bad that it, you can get automatically excommunicated from the church just by doing it. The one is attacking the Pope because he's the Pope. Okay. That, that is such a, a serious offense that the, you, you are, uh, automatically excommunicated. Others involve priests and confession, you know, the confessional seal revealing what, what was told to you in, in confession, uh, publicly will get a priest excommunicated. Um, there, there are a number of others, but one of the eight is having an abortion. Okay, if you have an abortion, you are automatically excommunicated from the church. Now, there, I don't want to scare anybody who is listening to this um, without also telling you that the Catholic rule is you can't commit a mortal sin unless you know it's a mortal sin and you do it anyway. 
Okay, so you you don't get excommunicated from the Catholic Church for having an abortion automatically unless you know that if you have an abortion, you will be automatically excommunicated and then you go and do it anyway. Right. So if you didn't know and you had the abortion, um, it is matter for confession to discuss with your, your priest. But don't think that you have been automatically excommunicated if you didn't know. Uh, that that was the penalty, right? You, there's no hidden penalties in the Catholic Church. You have to know that something is wrong and then make the decision to do something uh, when you know it's wrong before you incur the, the sin or the excommunication. So I want to make that absolutely clear because I don't want anybody listening to this program who didn't know about this to suddenly wonder, well, am I a member of the church or not? If you didn't know about it, then you're a member of the church. But guess what? Now you know about it. So um, so don't do it again, okay? Or don't do it for the first time if you're, if you're hearing this. Um, and and the, the right course of action, of course, is is to address this in confession with a priest who has the ability to, uh, to absolve you of, of your sins uh, because Christ gave him the ability to do that, right? So, so uh, I, I just want to make sure that that's absolutely clear. Uh, but the bishops... Uh, at this meeting, uh, put forward a document um, to uh, to explain to people about communion and about the rules for receiving communion, so that people will know. And they 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 did this, okay, um, and and they put forward the the, the document, um, and they uh, they they explained the Catholic teaching on it, but they didn't say that they were going to do anything to enforce the Catholic teaching. And that was the sad part of the program, okay, of the document, of the entire uh, conference that the bishops had, because the, the, the problem is that although the, the Catholic Church's teaching has not changed, the canon laws of the church have not changed, they've already said that, um, that there are many bishops um, who ha do not enforce them. Uh, Bill, Bishop, I mean, uh, I'm saying this because because it's public knowledge. Bishop Wilton Gregory in Washington D.C., who because Biden lives in the White House in Washington D.C., is is Biden's bishop, right? Bishop, bishop Wilton Gregory said he would not deny communion to Joe Biden. Okay, he said that. Okay. Um, what are you going to do then, right, if the bishop says that? So, um, and, and that's what was, was hoped would come out of the do document this week in the bishop's conference. It did not, all right? The bishops issued a conference that restated the Catholic canon law concerning abortion and, and other sins that prohibit you from receiving the communion, but they made no commitment whatsoever to enforce canon law. And that is that is a real problem. Right. And and we we're pointing that out. Uh, we, we you know, we, we put out a, a newsletter today in which we we pointed it out. OK, um, it, it you know, so even though the document clearly stated. The requirements of the law, it never said anything about bishops following those statements and actually enforcing church law. 
And if we have bishops who are not enforcing church law, then you might ask, what's going on? Why are they doing this? Okay. Why aren't they enforcing the law? And I can't answer that question. And we, we found it very disturbing uh, this week that, that this kind of thing is taking place and that they did not take action. And in, uh, in, in last uh, May or June, when they had their meeting, they, they you know, clearly said we're going to address it with a statement in, in November. And they issued a statement and they reiterated church law, but they did not commit to enforce church law. And so we invite you to, to, to find out more about that, okay, to, to read the bishop's statement. You can go to the um, USCCB, which is the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. You can go to their website, and they have the, the statement uh, posted on their website. And so you can read the statement, and you can uh, uh, understand you know, what the statement says, uh, and then you can start asking questions of your of your local priests, of your local bishop. Um, why now? Now, there's always a, a question when you when you're dealing with bishops. Bishops have authority uh, in their diocese. The bishops do not report to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Right? The bishops report. Every single bishop reports directly to the pope. OK, um, it's the pope and the bishop. Right? There is no intermediary. So the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops is a gathering of the bishops to uh, talk about what is what is going on, to talk about important issues and develop strategies on, on how they will be handled in the United States. And then it is up to every bishop. So so the, the USCCB could not order bishops to enforce Canon 915, but they could issue a document that says that the conference recommends or encourages bishops to enforce the Canon 915, Canon 916, all of the other laws. So whereas the, the USCCB um, is not a governing body and can't order bishops to do anything, right? They can encourage bishops and they can issue a document that says we encourage bishops to do this, you know, this, that or the other thing. Uh, and that is a legitimate function. And then it's up to the individual bishops to decide, you know, whether they're going to follow, you know, the positions that were taken by the USCCB or whether they're going to talk to the pope and say, no, I'm going to continue to do it this way if it's OK with you, pope. OK, um, and, and so they ultimately are responsible directly to the pope. So we're not saying that the USCCB should force the bishops to do that because they don't have the power to do that. OK, the, the USCCB is a consultative body, if you will, uh, and they don't uh, directly tell the bishops what to do, but um, they can put out statements and encourage bishops what to do. And in this case, they have not encouraged bishops to follow canon law. And that is the disappointment. And by the way, uh, people say, well, you know, it's not all bishops and, and you can't talk about, you know, all bishops, uh, you know, because there are good ones and there's others. And, you know, but they vote on this document at the meeting was 222 to 8. Okay, so 230 bishops voted on this document 
eight of them said, nah, nah, you know, and we don't know why each of the eight. I mean, there may be different reasons, but I'm sure some of the eight are because it, it, it just didn't address what needed to be addressed. But 222 said, OK, so I think it's fair in, in this instance to say that the bishops as a whole, you know, just didn't want this document to talk about how church law is going to be enforced. And that is a major disappointment. And uh, we hope you understand um, now, you know, what the, what, the, what the bishops did, okay, um, what they didn't do, and why people like us here at American Life League who have been fighting for bishops to do this uh, for well, a couple of decades now. And, and, and our president, Judy Brown, who uh, spent uh, 15 years on the Pontifical Academy for Life in Rome, right, uh, appointed there twice by St. John Paul II, right, St. Pope John Paul II, and appointed a third time by Benedict XVI. And so she is very familiar with what's going on in Rome. She is very familiar with the inner workings um, in Rome. She issued a statement, and I just want to read the statement to you. It's a little bit long, but let me just, just uh, read it to you because I think it will capture what I've been trying to say here. Uh, so this is Judy Brown's statement. She said, quote, I am extremely disappointed in the American Catholic bishops, but I am not surprised. For some reason, the bishops are worried about offending Joe Biden but they are not worried about offending Christ in the Eucharist. Even though their job is to teach the truth and to defend Christ at all costs, the bishops have become political. And once you become political, you lose your moral authority. American Life League has been confronting this with the bishops for over 20 years, and it has gotten worse, not better. The problem with the bishops is that they are politicians. They want to be popular. They want to be embraced by the Democratic Party. And all of that comes before their desire to teach the truth and to bring souls to Christ. In my opinion, this document will confuse the average Catholic. After 20 years of a lack of catechization, many Catholics don't even understand what the Catholic Church teaches, end quote. Okay, uh, I, I think that that puts it in a nutshell. And, and if you say, well, who is Judy Brown to say that? Well, I've just told you, you know, this is a woman who is steeped in, in Catholic uh, theology, steeped in Catholic tradition and um, was appointed by two different popes for three different um, terms on the Pontifical Academy for Life. So um, she has the ability to speak out and say this, and I'm, I'm proud to to uh, to deliver her message and um, and to have you you hear from someone who has been in the trenches and fighting um, to protect life and fighting to get the bishops to actively protect life um, by by speaking to and, and taking the proper action against politicians who say they're Catholic and then don't act according to Catholic teaching. Okay. All right. So uh, what I want to get to now, we, we you know we're we're uh, a show of of. Um, teaching and action and there's an action item coming up uh this we are not going to be on the air um next friday because it's it's the day after thanksgiving 
and the uh, the radio station is giving their people off for Thanksgiving Day and the next day, and so there's going to be uh, previously recorded shows that that are going to be played next Friday. We'll be back on in two weeks, but when we come back on, what I'm going to talk to you about now, it will will be over with, and so I want to make sure uh, that I tell you about it now. Okay. Um, as you know, because um, we've talked about it a number of times on this show, on December the 1st, there is going to be a case held before the Supreme Court called the Dobbs case, which is going to look at abortion regulation laws in the state of Mississippi. And there, there are you know, a, a big movement of, of people who are hoping that the Supreme Court will use this um, as a case to, to uh, overturn Roe v. Wade. And we are hoping that they will go further than that and will actually declare personhood for the preborn child and say that every preborn child is entitled to the right to life and abortion is outlawed once again here in this country. Uh, so in, in preparation for that and during that, there are a group of, of Christians around the country who are holding a what they are, have called the National Day of Repentance and Solemn Assemblies. So there is going to be a national day of repentance, and, and uh, the, the day is actually over three days, okay, um, on November the 30th, December 1st, and December 2nd, all right? Now, you can find out everything I'm going to tell you um, by going to their website, which is simply nationaldayofrepentance.org, right? So just go to nationaldayofrepentance.org. And you will get the details of what I'm going to lay out for you here in the next couple of minutes. Okay. So uh, if you go to the National Day of Repentance or you're listening to me right now, I'm going to tell you that there are going to be a series of activities over three days centered around the, the, the oral arguments in the Dobbs case at the Supreme Court. And so just very briefly on November 30th. There will be live prayer and worship events at the Lincoln Memorial, the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial, and the Supreme Court on November 30th, the day before the oral arguments in the Dobbs case. So that's where it'll start. Now, if you're in Washington, D.C., you or anywhere near Washington, D.C., you will have the opportunity to attend these ev events live. If you're not, the events are going to be broadcast over the Internet. And you can find out by going to uh, nationaldayofrepentance.org. You can find out how to sign up so that you can listen to the what's going on. And so you will see live the prayers at the Lincoln Memorial, at the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial, and at the Supreme Court on November 30th. Uh, in fact, the, the people who are sponsoring this are encouraging you to, to have a watch party and to have you know people gather to watch it together. Uh, in addition to what's going on on November 30th, um, on December the 1st, they will be joining um, a rally that is being organized by the Mississippi Attorney General's office. It's called the Empowering Women Rally in front of the Supreme Court. It will start at 8 o'clock in the morning and go to noon. And as part of that rally, you can actually hear live the arguments that are going on. 
uh, inside the Supreme Court building. They broadcast them. Um, and so you will hear that live uh, on this on this uh, broadcast. Um, so you can hear what the questions the justices are asking. You can hear the question, the answers that they get, and you can join in, in the rally. And then finally, on the third day, on December the 2nd, will be a day that you will pray for each of the Supreme Court justices by name. Okay, so there are nine of them. Um, and so you can pray for each of them by name. So uh, it's a three-day event with, with uh, the first day being prayer and worship events around Washington, D.C. Uh, the second one focused on the Supreme Court in the morning. Um, and uh, you can hear the oral arguments. You can, you can uh, hear the rally that is going on there and participate in that even remotely. Um, and then on, on the third day, you can join in prayers for each of the Supreme Court justices by name. So all of this is, is going to be available to you. Please mark it down now, uh, starting on November 30th. Uh, and the, the website to go to, once again, nationaldayofrepentance.org. Uh, this is all built on um, 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 7, verse 14, where God says, and this is a quote now from the Bible, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Okay? God's calling us to repent of our sins, the sins of abortion, the sins of sexual freedom, the sins of, of all kinds of um things that we do here on the earth that offend God. If we repent of our sins, and that's why this is being called the National Day of Repentance. It is not a day of celebration. It is a day to say to God, we've been sinning, God. You remember the story of Jonah and Nineveh, where God had told Jonah, that he's got to go and tell the folks in Nineveh that they're going to get destroyed because of their wicked ways. And the, the folks in Nineveh immediately heard the word and repented. Right? The Bible describes how even the, the, the leader of Nineveh you know, took on sackcloth and ashes and repented of the sins and God saved them. Right? Well, that's what's happening here in the United States. You know, we're killing millions and millions of God's creation. We're committing sexual sins, which Mary told us more souls go to hell over sins of the flesh than for any other reason. We're defying God here in America. We are a sinful nation, and we need to repent of our sins. And that's what this National Day of Repentance is calling us to. And we believe that if we do that, if we all join in and do that, God will save our country. And believe me. At this point, I think God is the only one who can save our country. So please join this National Day of Repentance. Right? Speak out in prayer. Tell God how sorry we are that we've allowed our nation to fall to such a low level that abortion is considered sacred in this nation. Tell God we're sorry. Ask God for help. That's what these three coming days are all about. They all happen the week after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is November 25th. This takes place on November 30th, December 1st and 2nd. Please 
go to nationaldayofrepentance.org and sign up. Right? And if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, please go and participate in what is happening and be part of something that could save our nation. I thank you for listening today. Uh, we'll close our program the way we always do by asking our Blessed Mother, Mother of God, please spread the effect of grace of your flame of love over all of humanity now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for listening.